This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. We are here at the scene um, after the Rockets have taken Game 5, 100-93 over the Utah Jazz. And that's a wrap. They finished the gentleman's sweep of the Jazz 4-1, uh, and they advanced to the Western Conference Semifinals for the third straight year. And uh, this was a, a, a really interesting game. I'm here with our good friend M.K. Bauer. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, uh, at Moise Capenda. Uh, he works with Field Level Media. Uh, great follow. I highly recommend him. I always do that, mention that in the podcast, but if, if you're on Twitter and you're not following him, I, I highly recommend it. Um, MK, this game was uh, was pretty pretty ugly. You know, but I take a step back from it, Dave, and I think that the Rockets needed this. And Hard made a point of saying this, I think, at one point in the post-game press conference. It's not supposed to be easy. You're supposed to be challenged and pushed by these teams. And I think the nature of their first two wins in this series kind of gave me a false sense of security of how much better they were than the Jazz. They're a better team than one in five games. It's not get it twisted. But they were supposed to get pushed. The Jazz are a terrific defensive team. They got better defensively at every stage of the series, and they made the Rockets work for it. And I think in advance of a very, very, very difficult series upcoming against Golden State, obviously most likely, they needed to kind of make sure they got pushed and found different ways to win games as opposed to just making you know a bunch of three-pointers and coasting to victory. They relied on their defense a lot in this series, and their defense has been good in the second half of the season. We talked about that a lot. They rebounded with a great deal of passion in the series against a far superior team, rebounding-wise. And they did things defensively on individual players, Donovan Mitchell in particular, that set a tone for how they want to play through the course of stretches of the game tonight and in the series. Look, it's as much as you kind of get wrapped up in the narrative of, they played poorly here or they played poorly there and they blew the game in, in game four down the stretch. They found a way to win this series in five games and set themselves up to get ready enough rest in advance of the next round. And that's really all you can ask for. Survive in advance. I don't believe in ugly victories. A win is a win, particularly in the postseason. And they did what they, do, they, did what they have to do tonight. Okay, that's definitely I agree with that. I think that's a good point. I think... Uh... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm impressed with the Rockets taking care of business against Utah. I mean, Utah was a very hot basketball team, able to defend very effectively against a host of teams, and they always struggled against the Rockets. I think what concerns me a little bit here about this series, if I can uh, say concerning after a 4-1 series win, is Harden really struggled uh, for stretches of the series. And, and you've got a bunch of narratives working against him, right? Obviously, uh, the playoffs and... and uh, you know, just whether, you know, his mental makeup and, and all these different things. And we saw something tonight. We saw it in the first half. You and I uh, discussed this as it was going on. Harden struggled out of the gate again. He was 1 for 11 from the field. In fact, his 11th shot was a, a missed dunk baseline with Rudy Gobert uh, closing in on him. Uh, and, and it just seemed like he was tr- like he was in his way most of the night. Like, he was in his feelings. He, he was 
mentally shaken up a little bit. And again, I may be uh, overstating it. I, I speculated at times that he was either tired or sick. None of those things appeared to be true based on post-game uh, uh, you know, quotes from the, the team. What did it seem like to you out of Harden in this series? Does it concern you that, that the type of defense they played going in behind him uh, proved to be effective? As much as I like to push against narratives, because I think a lot of them are based on things that are false, or, or, or small sample sizes that built into something larger. That was strange tonight, Dave. Like, at least on four occasions, he didn't even bother going up the floor on offense while the team was either in fast break or setting up something quickly. Yeah. And he's just kind of walking and watching. I don't get what he was going through mentally or physically. As you referenced, and I was going to ask this, the question post game about his health, but he seemed fine talking to us. Like, his, his voice seemed fine, his energy was fine. And there were points in the game tonight. I thought his defense was really engaged and vigorous. What he was doing offensively for long stretches of the game time was just bizarre to me. And it just feeds into this whole, you know, perception of him as, as being very laid back, too laid back, and, and unaffected and unfazed by things. And that wasn't the kind of performance you want to see out of, out of your MVP caliber player in, in an elimination game. And he found spurts, and to your point, he started 1 for 11 and finished 10 of, of 26, which means he went 9 of 15 down the stretch, yeah. which is quite fine, yeah. obviously. Yeah, exactly. um, but that start is ugly. The way he played in patches was really disconcerting. There are moments in time, Dave, and I've been watching James for a long time next to you at these, at these games where I feel like I don't understand him. Yeah. And I don't get what's going on with his body language and his level of play. And the lack of thrust and verve is just confounding to me. And and it, it, I don't know if it was because Utah frustrated him to the point where he was playing to this point, or to this to this level, and he won't see that next round with Golden State, which I think will be more traditional and how to defend them. I can't put my finger on it, and, I and, and to an extent, I'm tired of trying to guess what his deal is. Like it, it's he's a strange dude at times, both off the court and on. And tonight we saw one of his more odd performances. Still. 26 points, 6 yeah. rebounds, 6 assists, 4 blocks, 3 steals. He has a way of doing things at the end that make it look better than it was as you're watching it. And the final line made it look like he played a decent game, but there were stretches in the top tonight. He was awful. Yeah. And they found ways to win despite that. It, it was, I, I want to echo those sentiments because there was, I think, 7 minutes left in the first quarter because I remember looking up going, why does he look tired? I mean, there was a play where Capella got the offensive rebound. Uh, I think the shot clock was coming down, and he, Chris Paul was trying to get free for the pass, but Harden, he kept looking over to Harden for, for him to come get the ball, and Harden He was still in the backcourt, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just hanging there, and he was not moving, and I'm thinking, is James Harden tired? And then, like, you know, in between breaks, he had his hands on his hips. I mean, he looked tired, and I'm like, how is that possible in the first five minutes of this game? Uh, I'm just saying, you know, and people were tweeting back at me saying, hey, stop making excuses for him, play off hard and blah, 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 all this stuff. That wasn't the case at all. I wasn't making excuses for him. It, it was simply a matter of, of pointing out that this looked really odd. You're trying to find some sort of rational reason to, to explain what you're watching. Yeah. And I think you and I were both kind of struggling with that. And because Clint's been sick, you're thinking maybe James has a little bit of what Clint has. And you're trying to make sense of it all. And there were some things tonight that we saw, that play in particular you're talking about, as Clint's like fiercely looking to get rid of the ball, Harden is literally in the backcourt just walking up to the play. I, I don't understand how those certain things happen in the course of a game this important to the franchise. But I guess it's kind of par for the course to an extent. Like, he's done these things before, not specifically like this, but he's had these moments in postseason games past where he just can't quite figure out what's going on. And then there have been other moments where he's been dynamic. And I guess it is what it is with him.
Yeah, uh, you know, to, to his credit, um, I, I, I should say to the Jazz's credit, they did lock down on defense, make adjustments. I mean, anytime you're going to play a guy like Harden and you focus your entire defense on stopping Harden and his options, I mean, they're going to improve as the series goes on, you would think. Uh, and that certainly happened here. Um, but to his credit, what it came down to was Harden had to make some floaters. He had to make some drives. And he, he did. did make some tough mm-hmm. ones down the stretch. So, I, I, you know, tip my hat to him. And, of course, he made the big defensive play. I mean, he had four blocks uh, for the game tonight, but that strip of Gobert in the final minute uh, got fouled with 38 seconds left, I believe, knocked down both free throws. That iced the game pretty much. And, so, l- and let me not belabor the denigration of him. His defense tonight was engaged from the very yep. start. And he made a point that was kind of interesting because I thought about this too. He made a point about after he got his fifth foul, he basically let Mitchell walk into the lane for an easy floater after that because he didn't want to foul out. And how his teammates got on him. I'm like, you just play your game, play through it. And he did. Like that strip at the end of the game was so vital. And he, I thought, as weird as it was watching him on t- at times offensively, he busted his hump defensively time and again. So he's able to give you what he needs to give you on occasion. It's just that it's on occasion is a little bit troubling. But I thought the defensive intensity tonight from him was there from start to finish. If he can play like that on offense all the time, you'll hear you'll hear you know the curbing of these complaints about his performances. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think necessarily the Warriors are going to pounce on this strategy. If you, uh, no. but I but I. I'm going to be curious to see what teams take from this Jazz series, what they take from the Bucks earlier in the year, and if they think they have something in, in, in taking away that left hand from Harden. Uh, you know, i got to mention, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> Donovan Mitchell's struggles in the series, but, I mean, Eric Gordon, he had his struggles last year in the playoffs. Uh, he was fantastic in this series. Shot almost 49%, I believe, from three-point range in the five games. Hit some huge shots, but most importantly was his defense on Mitchell, and I think you know, overlooked in, in Harden's struggles because so many people have focused in on him. Uh, Mitchell was pretty awful in this series. And, I mean, it's a young player. It's his second year. Right? So it's, I'm not trying to tear him apart. But uh, he played much better last year in the series uh, as a rookie. And I thought, um, you know, he shot 32% from the field, uh, 25% from three-point range, and taking over 22 shots per game. So he was, they were counting on him. Snyder even said that, look, as Donovan goes, so we go. Um, and I thought, you know, as you pointed out, defensively is where the Rockets thrived in this series. You, you stated it perfectly. Because it's hard, all eyes were focused on him. And Mitchell had a terrible series. It was kind of able to fly under the radar because of what the focus was on James Harden. 21 points per game on 22 shots. This inefficient. The turnovers, the, the, the listlessness at times. Like, he seemed lost in certain spots offensively. Like, he didn't know what to do. And that's not what you're used to seeing from him. He has a great deal of thrust and energy getting to the basket. And I thought Gordon did a fantastic job frustrating him through the course of the series. And then when Gordon wasn't on the floor, they threw bodies at him. If it was Rivers or Harden or contesting him when he got to the rim. And I thought it was a smart way to kind of cut off the head of the snake, so to speak, and make things difficult for everybody else by making things difficult for Mitchell first. And I thought it worked. Royce O'Neal had a great series for the Jazz. I think he filled the void to an extent. I thought Rubio played very well. Um, in this series on occasion. Um, Joe Ingles did not show up until tonight. Jay Crowder was hit or miss. The fact that they were able to take away Mitchell, other than the fourth quarter of game four, <coughs> played a big part in their ability to play great defense in the course of the series. And that's what you have to do. It's the postseason. You better find a way to make their best player as inefficient as possible. And the Rockets did that to Mitchell tonight. Uh, you know, be remiss if I didn't mention probably the MVP of the, of the night, and that's uh, P.J. Tucker. Um, 
you know, he wasn't exactly just lighting it up, uh, you know, on the offensive end. But his defense, uh, I mean, he made play after play, even to the box score, showing four blocks and one steal. One steal is nonsense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you would have thought for sure that he, you know, had more than that. I mean, he was plus 18 in his 40 minutes, brought it every night. And I think uh, Harden, after the game, just raved about his consistency. He just said he busts his tail every single night. Uh, I, I mean, what we saw from him tonight was, uh, given the Rockets' struggles, I thought there were times where the Rockets looked like they could have just fallen over and been steamrolled. Uh, you know, but defensively, he was the anchor all night, uh, and that's that's how they were able to pull this game out. He's Patrick Beverly without the shenanigans, right? Like, <laughs> right. He, he gives you so much on that end of the court, and he'll give you the occasional corner three-pointer, but his money's made defensively. And I thought tonight, just the contesting of dribble drives, the contesting of shots, Nine, nine, nine different defensive rebounds. Like I mean, man, the energy on that end of the court was was appalling in terms of what he was able to give this team through the course of this game. And you need it. Like as good as they played as a unit defensively, there has to be a fulcrum. There has to be a linchpin on that end of the court. And it's been PJ Tucker all season long. You'll have Clint Capella have his moments. Harden, Chris Paul, Eric Gordon in this series against Mitchell. It starts with PJ Tucker. And I thought his ability tonight to just give them that energy defensively really helped them carried them in church when they didn't shoot well or Harden was kind of invisible offensively. I think Chris Paul made this point at halftime. That all the turnovers, the poor shooting, and they were leading by four because they limited Utah to 42 points in the first half. That's largely because P.J. Tuck was playing his tail off. So as they move into the sixth round, and it's going to become increasingly difficult for P.J. to match up against guys like Kevin Durant or you know get switched off if it's on Clay Thompson or, or, or Seth Curry, the challenge becomes that much greater. But you know his energy is going to be there. You know his effort's going to be there. And I think when you can rely on that sort of performance night in and night out, it really bolsters what you want to do defensively, and the Rockets can rest easy knowing that P.J. Tucker's going to be able to end the four for them. So they're into the semifinals. Uh, you know, certainly for, as far as the Jazz are concerned, I think they have to look at it a little bit as a disappointment, but they got a, a really rough draw. But the Rockets uh, move on, and now we're, we're going to the uh, Western Conference semifinals. And hey, right now, you know, at the time we're recording this, it's, uh, the, it's just before halftime, and I think the Clippers are up by nine. But it, I, I've never heard of a team as good as the Golden State Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead. Have you ever heard of anything? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but I'm, let's just, I think it's safe to say the Warriors are probably going to win this series. I mean, I'm not going to completely discount the Clippers. But, you know, just given how good the, the Warriors are and being the number one seed up 3-1, I think it's safe for us to go ahead and talk about this series, the, the potential of it. We know DeMarcus Cousins isn't going to play. What do you see as far as these two teams, how, how it plays out? It, it's so strange to me. I, as, as much as I thought the Rockets had a great amount of momentum after the game was 1-2, they gave a little bit of, of it back in this series, and it, it kind of opened the door to doubt in terms of how well can they consistently maintain good offense against a good defense team. I don't think the Warriors are as good defensively this year as they've been in years past, which should be to an extent a small advantage to the Rockets. The Warriors aren't the Jazz. I don't think the Warriors are going to employ any sort of gimmicky defense like the Jazz did against Harden in the next round. I think they feel content with having Draymond Green and Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant handle the responsibilities of defending Harden one-on-one or following him into someone else. What I do think that the Warriors are susceptible at is that they recognize somewhere in the back of their mind they were this close to losing that series to the Rockets last year. And if Chris Paul is healthy through the course of the season, the series upcoming, their advantage is nil. And I've told this before, I don't feel comfortable picking against the Warriors, but at the same time, I feel wholly confident the Rockets can win this series. I, I think they know that team so very well. They've played them four times in the last five years. Granted, personnel changes here and there, but the core players are still there. They should have won the series last year. They won a season series this season. They're not afraid of Golden State. 
That doesn't mean they're going to win. They can't shoot like they've shot the last few games of this series and expect to beat Golden State, but they can defend like this and expect to win, and they can expect better things from better players on a team like James Harden. I think all the, all the opportunity is there for them to win this series and the, the, the throne of champions. It's not going to be easy, and I think everybody kind of has to accept that. Like, take a step back, understand it's probably going to go seven games, even if you win it, and it's going to be some tough moments. It's going to be ugly at times. Golden State's going to have a third quarter where they score 17 points in a row because that's what they do. And look at the big picture of how much the Rockets fought them tooth and nail last year, how much they fought them and won against them this season in the regular season, and understand that it may happen. If they're healthy, if they're focused and poised, if they're confident, it may happen. And that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. It's going to be a great, great, great series, I think, because these two teams are very well accustomed to playing one another. And I think the level of confidence they both have against each other is going to come out, and everyone's going to be very pervy to that. Yeah, you know, it's, I think last year everyone pretty much accepted that the Western Conference Finals was the NBA Finals. Yeah. This year it feels like the semifinals is going to be the Western Conference Finals. I don't want to disrespect some of those top, top teams in the East, uh, you know, like Milwaukee, and, and say this should be the NBA Finals. But arguably it's to the two best teams, or it's certainly the two best teams in the West. I, would, I think that's a fair, a fair assessment, and it does feel premature for them to be facing right now. Uh, I think this Rocket team has a higher ceiling than last year's. I think it has a lower floor. I think, you know, looking at guys like Gerald Green, Daniel House, they did not have a good series. I mean, they, Green had his, had his moments. House was, was had, hit, knocked down a couple threes tonight late. Um, they need these guys to play better. Their bench hasn't been no. in this series was not uh, not good at all. Yeah, not really that impressive. So they've got to get more there. And obviously, I want to see more from Harden. I think you know, just not seeing Gobert in the middle, not seeing this gimmicky defense, should open some things up for him. But obviously, they've got guys they can throw at him. Iguodala, Looney. I forgot Iggy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> those guys are healthy. Um, so it, you know, it's. I think the Rockets have to get one of those first two. I mean, I. I, I you know, I don't want to make it sound like if they lose the first two, they're, they're going to lose, period. But I think they've got to get one of those first two to make this series. You don't want to come back here at Game 3 and you have no choice but to Once win at home. Game, yeah. Yeah, it's not like the Rockets are just this incredible home team. Um, I think they've got to steal one of those first two uh, you know, at Oakland. Um, and you got to see Eric Gordon have a big series. He didn't play well against the Warriors last year. I'd like to see him step up. Um, and as you mentioned, I think Chris Paul's the big key. I really felt like DeMarcus Cousins, I, I know it's crazy to say that because he is such a, a, a potent weapon inside. But I, again, I've stressed this before, I felt like he was super effective in that game as well. Not just because he dominated Capella inside, but he knocked down, I think, a couple threes in that game. He stretched the floor. He was able to do that effectively. I think the Rockets, when when Cousins was on the floor, was really able to take advantage a lot. Uh, and his canter in the pass at the pick-and-roll situations. It's going to be harder to find those kind of weaknesses. I still like the Rockets' chances. I like them not quite as much as I did last year, um, but I, I do like their chances. I think it's going to be a good series. You don't, and I realize that to an extent what happens in regular season is, is, is fodder, but do you think that their success against Golden State in the regular season on the heels of what happened in the postseason last year just nudges their confidence meter up a little bit more and gives them a more of an advantage this season than they had last season going into that series against the Warriors? It, it does, I think, if Cousins had played. And I know Cousins only played uh, two of the games, I think, of, uh, that they played this year. Um, but I think it's just, it, you know, it's, it's it, as crazy as it sounds, I almost feel like if you take Durant off that team as well, that, that, that I, the Warriors have a bit of an advantage. You, you give the, the shots more to Clay, more to, uh, to Curry. Whereas, you know, last year I think one of the things that really helped was they were, they were running isolation plays for Durant. Yeah. And if, if you're going to do that and you're going to have, uh, 
you know, long mid-range twos, the Rockets are going to compete with you because they're going to, you know, come out and shoot with a bunch of, a wave of three-pointers, and, you know, they've, they've got a strong defense themselves. They'll hang with you. Um, if it's just going to be a three-point barrage, I think it's going to, you know, I think the Warriors have the edge. I mean, they're more efficient from three-point range than the Rockets. But the Rockets have the volume. They come at you way more, uh, you know, three-point attempts than the Warriors do. Um, so I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to defense. Are the Warriors the same uh, legit defensive powerhouse they've been in the past? I mean, obviously they're they're giving up 70 points to the Clippers tonight in the first half. They've been inconsistent this year. And, Very much so. Yeah, and they've they've got you know there's buzz about some chemistry issues. This is the one. They've got to take this one. Okay? I mean, like you're not going to have another crack at. at Taking the juggernaut down because you you get the vibe that it's over after this one. They win if they win this third title, Durant's moving on. I I, I tend to think, and this is your one great chance. Now you, you may beat them next year. Uh, it won't be the same. It won't be the same. There. It's exactly you want to take down. I mean, Capella even mentioned this tonight. He got baited into yeah. answer the question saying, "I want them, I want them," and, and Chris Paul says, "Oh, geez, you know, I know you guys are going to tweet that." But he's saying, "Hey, I, I, we want to face the champion. We want to face the best." In order and, to beat yeah. to beat the champion, you got to beat the champion. And, and I will say this: I think it's to a disadvantage of both teams. Whoever wins the series, because they have to play two more rounds to win a championship, as opposed to last year being in the finals. That worries me a little bit, particularly if it's the Rockets. Like all the energy you expend finally beating the Warriors. Oh, and then you may have to still beat Portland and Dame Lillard, and then still win a championship against Boston Celtics. And <laughs> you know the winner of the East. Yeah. It's a challenge, but I think if they get over this hump finally against this particular team, it'll mean a great deal to this franchise because they've been pushing that rock up that hill for several seasons now, and got so close last year. Really got close to the year that hard and had the awful 12 turnover game at the very end. They've been close before. They've been knocking on the door. And we need Bob Phillips to come here and tell them they need to keep that son of a bitch in, you know, to get over to get through it. And I think this is the opportunity because I think you're absolutely right. If they win one or two in, in Oakland, it helps. If they win this series now, it'll feel different than if they beat them at any point in the future because it won't be quite the same. Beating them now when they're the two time defending champions, I think will mean a lot to this particular group who's been here for a while. And I think the opportunity is there for them and they really have a wonderful chance of making it happen. Huge opportunity for the legacy of uh, James Harden and Chris oh, Paul yeah, absolutely. Uh, as well. And so it, this is going to be uh, absolutely great series. It's, it's interesting to me as well. I know we talked about the ramifications of the Rockets losing that final regular season game, right? They would have been the second seed had they won that game. But what's really interesting to me, MK, obviously it would have shuffled all this stuff around. But what's interesting is if Denver wins this last game, they're up 3-2 over the Spurs. The Rockets could beat the Warriors, climb the mountain, and not have home court advantage in the next series. I mean, they won't. Period. Uh, you know, they, they would not if uh, Denver, if it's Denver and Portland, because both of them are ahead of the Rockets. I don't think anybody's worried about the Nuggets and the Rockets and having like literally. Let, let's be realistic. That is true. A, I don't think even if Denver wins the series with the way Portland played against Oklahoma City, I don't see Denver beating Portland. And as well as Portland's played against the Rockets in recent years, that would be a great series. But the Rockets having home court advantage will really be a benefit to them there. They got to get. It's so weird seeing them play Golden State this early. Like we've been so programmed to kind of waiting, waiting, waiting for the series. Them playing them now is going to be a strange sight to see. It's something odd to behold. But man, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just add to that. You mentioned regular season success, postseason success. Uh, you know the the. Thunder basically beat the Blazers 4-0 yeah. in the regular season, Touché. and they got, uh, you know, a trials. And I think, uh, you know, even the Jazz, I mean, the Rockets seem to have all this advantage. They made those adjustments in the playoffs, and it became a tight series. Those last three games were all very good and very close. 
Um, I think if Denver is, for example, is able to get there, or even what what happens to, is, is Damian Lillard going to get the glow about him and suddenly have take it to another level? If those guys are able to get there to the Western Conference Finals, they may have more to them, more juice, and, and, and able to make adjustments. But I agree with you. I think if the Rock, if it's Rockets Denver, at that point. Uh, you know, uh, you have to give a huge advantage to the Rockets. But hey, that's that's a huge mountain they have to climb to even get there. I can't do a podcast without taking a couple of shots at Russell Westbrook. <laughs> it's pretty much mandatory at this point, especially considering off-season podcasts. I can't really do that. Uh, to me, I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I just grin from ear to ear watching this that everybody hates Russell Westbrook now. When it felt like two years, and I need you and I have a different opinion, where everybody loved Russell yeah. Westbrook, and it was like the, you know, the the, the hardened hate was strong, and it felt it felt like when when he disrespected the media or did something like that, it was a part of his charm, and his going for the triple double was part of his charm. I mean, like all this was was everything was winning for him, even though. He, he, st- he won 47 games that year, won 47 the next year. I believe he won 49 this year. First round exit three straight years, despite adding more and more help to that team. Heavy luxury tax. Uh, that's, I, I guess that team fascinates me because he is the way he is. He's always rubbed me the wrong way with sort of his on-court uh you know, in in people's face. I think I told you this really started for me years ago when he was uh, battling it out with Goran Dragic late in the game in OKC. Um, and he just has always been this hothead, so it's, it's, it's always driven me nuts. But it just, to me, it feels like um, everybody's learning a lesson that we seem to know a couple years ago, that I feel like this, as talented as he is, as explosive as he is, is going to be heading south, and he's just not a guy I would... I would personally want to build a team around. It was weird seeing him take 30 shots in the game where Paul George is playing that well. Hey, um, I underscore a lot of the points you're making in terms of he's kind of plateaued in terms of developing his game, and he's really the same player now that he was two years ago when he went through that that, that renaissance as a player. And really, let's be realistic, it was about the triple doubles, but it was also about him being on the wrong end of the breakup with Kevin Durant. Yeah. And I think he was he's a sympathetic figure. Everybody kind of lashed out at KD exactly for right. joining a team that they lost a 3-1 lead to in the previous year in the postseason and front-running, so to, so to speak. So I think Russ took advantage of that circumstance as well. And to an extent now, we've had three years to kind of watch this guy. And, yeah, you and I have a different opinion of him. I love the way he plays. Flaws and all, he goes balls to the wall every night. And I think there's, there's value in that. But he's a flawed player. And he does things that I think to, are to the detriment of his team, trying to be the hero when he doesn't necessarily need to be the hero all the time. And that's irrefutable. And it's weird to me, uh, you're absolutely right. I think now he may be the second most hated player in the league behind Harden. I'm not talking about players, I'm talking about fans and media. Like, there's been a groundswell moving in the opposite direction against him. And it's weird to see because people were on his coattails just as recently as two seasons ago. Exactly. And now to have him kind of go through this whole process of people watching him play, watching his behavior off the court, seeing that he's not really making his team better, like, you know, chasing rebounds and having guys clear out for him just to get double-doubles in a very stat-padding kind of way. It's been exposed who he is as a player, and I don't think it's been to his benefit. It's weird to me that we have this sort of disrespect, and I'm saying we in terms of the general public, for Harden, because I don't think he's done the same sort of things that Westbrook has done, but I think Westbrook has closed the gap in terms of, you know, reviled players by the general public, and it's interesting to see because just a few years ago it wasn't anything like that. Yeah, it, it does feel that way, and, you know, I know I know the Thunder, you know, that's his organization. They're not trading him. They made promises to Paul George, able to keep him. If I ran the OKC Thunder and I, you know, put it, casting those other things aside, 
I would trade Russell Westbrook. I would look at to the L.A. Lakers, even though I'm not exactly in love with uh, Ingram or Ball. I, I, I would want to be free of that contract, and I would look for young players, uh, and I would try to build around Paul George. That, that's just my, my take on it because I feel like this is a guy. Now, granted, if you just just added shooting entirely around him, they wouldn't be as strong of a defensive team, but they would be better offensively. But I, I just I, I think Russell Westbrook, for all of his talent, is, is not a guy you can build around to win. I agree. And, and, and it's and it's yeah, I agree. I, okay. I, I, mean, I think we we have a, a disagreement on Russ from a very macro view, but I think the details were on the same page here. Like it's clear watching him play last night, he will shoot you out of games, and if the moment is tight, he may not come through for you in the clutch. A and B, Dame killed him. Yeah. Dame killed him the entire like killed him dead. Like you know, exercise. He's done. I think any positive reputation Russ may have had. Is over after watching Dame cook his behind for five games. There's like two or three images that like people just post to say you can't talk anymore. Yeah, and and so really, I know it's the NBA. People have short memories, but I don't know as a premier player how you come back from that. How you get beat down like that publicly? Like literally, I guess at some point Dame was like, "Why are you switching off me? Come over here and get this butt whipping." And they were trying to find ways to get Russ off of Dame because he was getting cooked so bad out there on the court. And for Dame to go for 50 points on 33 shots, and for Russ to take 30 shots and not even get half that or get roughly half that, man, he got exposed. And I I think for all the discussion about this being a great era for point guards and the elite of the elite, he's got knocked down several pegs now. And we're going to go into next season, and I don't think people are going to look at him with the same sort of respect they looked at him in years past. And I'm curious to see how he deals with that, and to your greater point, how the organization of Oklahoma City deals with that, knowing that he's on the wrong side of 30, when this game declines, it's going to be like Allen Iverson. It's going to decline quickly, mm. and he's, they're going to have an asset on their hands that doesn't have anywhere near the value that they think they have, and it's going to be costing them a ton of money moving forward, and he's going to have diminishing returns at this stage of his career moving forward. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen with both sides of those, that, that situation. It's a shame for the, for the OKC Thunder. I know they're not going to do it anyway, but that Magic Johnson's not there because, you know, if they're, if they're <laughs> they looking for stars. They can do Magic if they get them. <laughs> right, looking for stars. You know, i, I got to tell you, too, on Lillard, I mean, I'm, I'm – Happy for Portland. I, you know, I know that was a, a rough uh, close to last year's playoffs, but it's such an interesting uh, switch to me because there's no doubt they tried to throw that last game yeah. to avoid that seed and to avoid the OKC Thunder matchup, which was a given at that point. Um, they tried to throw that game. Lillard didn't play. They played six people. Anthony Simons or whatever that yeah. guy goes off for 39 points. I mean, it was the most. Unlikely it's a thing. Bizarre game when you yeah. think about it. The context really of what's going on. Yeah. So here, here's this, you know, this switch where you've got that they, they look scared, trying to hide from the matchup, and as you point out, Lillard comes in and just torches him, completely torches him. It was just, uh, it was a shock to me, a surprise to me, and I, of course I was happy to see it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really was. But uh, to me, I, you know, the. the you know, we, we deal with this every single year. You know, the OK, it's always the OKC Thunder are the team that you know could scare the Warriors. The OKC Thunder are the team nobody wants to face, and whoever does face them knocks them out. They're done, Dave. Yeah, I, I think they're done as an elite, well, an elite concept, conceptualized team. Like they they really haven't been elite because they haven't won a playoff series in years. But the, the concept of them being elite, that people having this image of them as being an elite team, a yeah. dangerous team because of the talent, they're done. And like you can't keep losing in the first round, winning one game. And people still think you're, they're done. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward next year in the West with maybe Anthony Davis gone and OKC being done. Like, 
is, is Sacramento going to kind of emerge at the bottom yes, half of the rankings? Yes, yeah. um, what's going to happen with Utah? They've kind of got the same squad together, thinking they were going to get further. They got you know curved stopped by the Rockets again. Like, what's the next step for some of these teams in the West if KD leads? Golden State. It's a really interesting summer coming up for the Western Conference, which has been a juggernaut for so long in this league. And Oklahoma City getting dusted like they got dusted this year, it's going to be add to that landscape of things being different as well. Absolutely. That is uh, MK Bauer. You can follow him again on Twitter at Moise Capenda. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, man. And uh, we'll, we'll be back here most likely for game three against the Warriors, uh, you know, barring the uh, LA Clippers. If we're here for goal. game one against the Clippers, man, I'm going to come up in here with no clothes on and cover the game. That ain't happening, Dave. I can say that right now. So we'll plan on game three for the Warriors. Thanks again, MK. I appreciate it. Appreciate it.